Let us hear these words from Joel chapter 2, verses 28 through 32. Turn with me to page 8 in your bulletins. The word of the Lord says, And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. Even on the male and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit. And I will show wonders in the heavens and on the earth, blood and fire and columns of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem there shall be those who escape as the Lord has said. And among the survivors shall be those whom the Lord calls. This is the word of the Lord. Would you pray with me? Most loving and eternal Father, we do give you thanks and praise today for your word. Your word, it is light and it is life. God, I pray that your word would be life for us today. God, I pray that your spirit has already begun the work of softening our hearts so that the seeds of your word would fall on good ground. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would descend on this place, God. God, I pray that with your spirit comes a spirit of wisdom and understanding that could only come from you. So God, I pray that you would increase our wisdom and our understanding to hear what you are saying so that we can respond in humble and loving obedience with hearts filled with joy. We thank you for the gift of your word and we lend ourselves to the application of it in our everyday lives. You are eternally exalted. You are eternally enthroned. Yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Good morning, everybody. All right, my name is Erin Rose. I am a pastoral intern here at Third Church. It is my joy and my delight to be standing before you this morning. We have been talking about, for the past couple of weeks, the promise of the Holy Spirit. And my focus this week is the promise of the Holy Spirit for all people. If you walk away with anything, walk away with this. The gift of the Spirit fulfills God's promise of power for everyone who wants it. The gift of the Spirit fulfills the promise of power for everyone who wants it. The text that we'll be digging into today, the text that I just read, really explores the supernatural. We're talking about spirits being poured out. We're talking about sons and daughters prophesying, people dreaming dreams and seeing visions. That's supernatural stuff. It can be easy for us to fall into the temptation of believing that our faith is merely in our heads or just words written in a book. 
We may wrongly think that the father is just this invisible figurehead that laid down rules centuries ago that we probably should follow. We might mistakenly believe that the son is merely an historical figure who lived a good life and whose moral sayings are probably gonna add some wisdom and prosperity to our lives. Oh, but the spirit of God that keeps us from fully falling into the temptation of believing those lies about the Father and the Son. Because the Spirit is a reminder that what we believe, our faith, is inherently otherworldly and supernatural. Our faith is not something that can just be explained with words or with logic. Oh, it's something else entirely. The Spirit is one-third of the Trinity fully, has always been, will always be. It has always existed in perfect unity and community with the Father and the Son. And the promise of the Holy Spirit is for all of us. So those of you under the sound of my voice, as we're going through this text together for the next 20 minutes or so, you might be tempted to fall into the traps of comparison. You might be saying, I'm not as spiritual as this other person. Aaron is talking about people speaking in tongues and prophesying. I don't do that. Don't worry about that. Listen to what God is saying to you. Embrace the, gift of the, embrace the promise of the gift of the Spirit for you, for your, for your family, for your children. God wants to dwell with you. God wants to reside with you. God desires intimacy with you. So hear these words as words of comfort and encouragement. Again, the gift of the Spirit fulfills the promise of power for everyone who wants it. So today we're going to be looking at the very nature of God's promise of the Holy Spirit for all people. The first thing we're going to do is explore promise made, the promise that God made. The second thing, we're going to talk about how God kept the promise, promise kept. Then we're going to talk about the fulfillment of God's promise promise fulfilled. So if you know me, or perhaps even if you don't know me, you know this about me, I don't have no kids, none at all. I saw all these beautiful parents standing up with three, four, five kids. God bless y'all. I don't know how you do it. I don't know how you like keep yourself alive and groomed and then keep other people alive and groomed. Some of y'all have kids that y'all have raised, grew them up and they are raising other kids and growing other people up. God, y'all are reflecting the image of God. Thank God for you. I had a dog once. <laughs> I did. It was once. I, it lasted 18 months. I thought that I, could, I was ready for the responsibility of keeping a dog alive. I was not. To my dismay, you cannot leave your house for 18 hours at a time without tending to your dog on a regular basis. So uh, after a little while, I packed my dog up, sent him up to my parents, and he now has a stable two-family household in Connecticut. He's doing great. My friends, though, all have kids, almost all of them. Very many of my peers have children, and I've noticed that my friends raise their kids differently than I was raised, perhaps differently than they were raised. I've noticed that parents of today really, really know the power and the importance of moderation. For example, kids today can have maybe 20 minutes of screen time every third Tuesday of every other month. 
Whereas when I was a kid, I watched TV until my eyes glazed over and I was pretty much a zombie. And then my mom was like, oh yeah, maybe you should cut that off. Or kids are only allowed to have one piece of candy a week. Do y'all do that to your kids? I, so uh, during Halloween, Kids go trick-or-treating or trunk-or-treating, whatever you want. And uh, they get these huge stashes of candy. And my friends will only let their kids have one piece of candy a week. But you can't get through 500 pieces of candy, one piece of candy a week. It gets stale. So I take that abundance for Auntie Erin. And I completely uh, capitalize on the kids' abundance. But these kids know what it's like to experience the abundance of everyday life in moderation. They're not getting drunk off of candy, no, or TV. They get a little bit of a good thing at a time. Well, the audience of the book of Joel are like the kids of the 21st century. They knew the goodness and the greatness of God's spirit, but they were used to the Holy Spirit being rationed out. You see, for them, their experience with the Holy Spirit was almost utilitarian. The Spirit will come on a particular person to accomplish a given task. For example, the scripture uh, records the Spirit coming upon judges like Othniel, Gideon, and Samson to empower them to serve as judges of Israel. Or the Spirit will come upon prophets like Ezekiel and Isaiah and empower them to speak the very words of God so that they could prophesy God's plan, God's desire for God's people. The Spirit often came upon the leaders of Israel, those that ended up with great influence amongst the people of God, judges, kings, and prophets. The manifestation of God's Spirit in the life of God's people was intermittent and certainly not for everyone. Yes, for them, the Spirit of God, they knew that the Spirit of God spurred them towards holiness. Yes, they knew that the Spirit of God was present and active during creation. And yes, they knew that the Spirit of God rested on people at certain times and certain, for certain reasons, but probably no more. But here in Joel 2, we see a promise. God promises that the days where the Spirit was given out intermittently and sporadically were coming to a close One day soon, as a part of the restoration of God's people, he would pour out his spirit. And I love that phrase, pour out. Makes me think of being in a restaurant. My food is dry, and here comes a waiter in God's divine providence pouring out a glass of water to satisfy, to quench my personal thirst. When I think of pouring out, I think of any water park worth its salt that has that giant tub of recycled weird water that uh, people just stand underneath and the tub gets filled and filled and it's teetering, it's tottering, and like all the kids and like grownups too huddle underneath it and they wait for the great outpouring of that bucket of giant 5,000 trillion gallons of water on top of them. And I think about a mighty, mighty waterfall, a great pouring out that one person or even a group of people could never withstand, but has enough power to erode rock that has been present for centuries. Can you imagine the promise of the outpouring of the spirit of the living God? No more drops of visitation, but a pouring out of God's presence. 
a pouring out gentle enough to satisfy each thirsty soul, but a pouring out that would bring life to nations and a pouring out strong and mighty enough to push back, erode, uh, to move away the very systems of darkness that desire to ensnare, enslave, and oppress. And not only does God promise to pour out his spirit, he promises to pour it out on all people. And the text speaks for itself. Sons and daughters will prophesy. Any gender barriers are out of the window here when it comes to the great outpouring of God's spirit. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Age discrimination is gone. And even my servants, both men and women, the promise is true for you no matter what your social class or economic status. Everyone will have access to the Spirit of God. Everyone can stand beneath and receive the great outpouring of the Spirit of God. Absolutely everyone, y'all, ain't that good news? And this is good news because up until this point, the Spirit of God was only for the elite members of the people of Israel. The text goes on to say that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So not only does God extend the pouring out of his spirit to all people within the people of God, to the everyday Joe and Joanna of the people of Israel, but God extends it to the Gentiles, strangers and foreigners of the family of God. This promise is hearkening to the establishment of a new way of life, a new order. It had always been that Israel was the chosen people of God, but now with this promise, anyone could be saved. And y'all, that includes us here today. God did not keep the promise of his spirit for one group of people. No, we all have access to it. We all have access to the great power of God. Now, this is a pretty lofty promise if you ask me. But thanks be to God, God is the greatest promise keeper of all time. So if he gives you a promise, you can count on it. Y'all hear this, God keeps his promises. It's an indisputable fact that no one can keep promises better than our God. I will not be persuaded otherwise and neither should you. I've tried time and time again. I've trusted the promises and put my hopes and friends, family members, boyfriends, and had my heart torn to pieces time and time again. But after all of that, I can say beyond a shadow of a doubt that there's no one anywhere in the world that can keep a promise like God. Allow me to elaborate. Remind yourself of the promise of God from Joel. He says, I'll pour out my spirit on all people, sons, daughters, young, old, maidservants, men servants. Cool, got it. Jesus doubles down on this promise in Acts chapter one. He says to his disciples, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Jesus, once again, is affirming his commitment to the mission of God and his unity with the Father. Previously, Jesus had mentioned that the Spirit would come, but in this particular moment, he reminds them of his, his promise and the Father's promise. 
A couple of verses down in verse 8 of chapter, uh, chapter 1 of Acts, Jesus says, but you will receive power after the Holy Spirit has come on you, and you will be my witnesses in Judea and in Samaria, even to the ends of the earth. With this statement, Jesus connected the inclusive, welcoming nature of God's promise of outpour with his promise of power to witness. What could have been read as implicit in the words of Joel are made ex explicit in the promise of Jesus. The Spirit will give you power. Hallelujah. And then in Jesus' typical fashion, he ascended to heaven. Great. Thanks, Jesus. The disciples, probably mostly still in a daze from the events of the previous 40 days, like Jesus' arrest, his arraignment, his crucifixion, his burial, and then his subsequent resurrection, and then just spending, you know, 40 days hanging out with his bros, his brothers and sisters, the disciples decide to obey. They stay in Jerusalem for 10 days after this direction from Jesus. And on the day of Pentecost, they were all gathered in one place. Not only were they physically in one place, in one house, but there's a, a translation of the Bible, the King James Version, it says they were all on one accord. So they weren't just physically in one place, they were in one place in mind, in heart, and in body. In that room, something that would change the world forever happened. You can tell that Luke, the author of Acts, is having a hard time putting into words exactly what transpired on that day. He says in Acts chapter 2, there was something like the blowing of a violent wind that came from heaven and filled a house. And then he says they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated them, that separated and came to rest on each person in the room. And then after all that, after the fire on the heads and uh, the sound that fills the whole house, the folks started speaking in tongues, inspired and enabled by the Holy Spirit. Y'all, what happened in that room was completely otherworldly completely supernatural, completely transcendent. And it may have been difficult to describe exactly what the experience was like or what it felt like, but we do see clarity in the words of Luke where he says, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. The promise that Jesus had made days earlier and the promise that the Father had made centuries earlier was kept in that moment. And could you imagine the ruckus this caused, Lord Jesus. A mighty sound that filled a house in the middle of Jerusalem. People with fire resting on them, speaking in tongues, yikes, makes for a scene. The people on the streets heard the commotion and came over to check out what happened. Had a building collapsed, had, every, had a bunch of people all at the same time, lost their senses. The people on the streets got closer and something even stranger happened. You see, what they thought was babbling nonsense became to them, as they could hear more clearly, intelligible. Each person could hear the glorious wonders of God being declared in their own language. And these weren't just residents of Jerusalem that were on the street. No, remind, you, remind yourself that this was the Feast of Pentecost or the Feast of Weeks. This was a feast that took place 50 days after the feast of Passover, and it, was, and it celebrated God's providence and God's sustaining of his people. 
So the people were there from all over the known world. They were from Rome. There were Arabs there. They were from Egypt. They were from Asia. And they heard they were there to bring their sacrifices to the temple. And they heard in their own languages the glory of God being declared. This is a beautiful display for the heart of God for all nations. When God commenced the great pouring out of his spirit, he honored the culture of the people who could hear. God could have had the people in the upper room, the people in the house that had the supernatural experience speaking in unintelligible language that nobody could ever understand or interpret. God could have done that, but God did not. The very pouring out of God's spirit was marked by accessibility. Those that were filled with his spirit on that day were speaking in tongues, but they were also speaking the heart language of every person gathered on the street outside the house Why does that matter? The outpouring of God's spirit was accompanied by demonstrations of power. And this power is the same power that Jesus talked about in Acts 1 and 8, power to be witnesses. The sound like the violent wind might have gotten their attention and maybe what seemed like babbling nonsense might have kept the people's attention, but it was them hearing the great and glorious wonders of God being spoken in their language that turned the people inside the house from being fools to being witnesses of the glory of God. Brothers and sisters, we cannot downplay the Spirit's demonstrations of power and their role in bearing witness to the greatness of God, no matter how much we might want to. We cannot downplay the Spirit's demonstrations of power and their role in bearing witness to the greatness of God. What happened in that room was irrational, nonsensical, yet the reverberations of it are felt even until this day. That very same day in front of a bewildered crowd of God-fearing Jews, the apostle Peter stood up and preached the sermon of his life. And 3,000 people were added to the number of spirit-filled Christ followers that day. Y'all, God keeps his promises. So we've established that God is a promise-making, promise-keeping God, but let's talk about his promise, his power to fulfill his promises. You might think keeping a promise is the same thing as fulfilling a promise. Let me split hairs for a moment. Imagine a child and her father are in Target. They're doing, or Walmart, or whatever store, they're doing their back to school shopping, picking up notebooks, pencils, a lunchbox, and they pass the sporting goods section on the way to pick up a binder. Baby girl stops in her tracks. Her eyes are locked on a bright blue bike with multicolored tassels. She says, Dad, that bike is awesome. Oh, can I please have it? Please, 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 please. I want it so bad. Please, 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 please. Dad, knowing within himself the list of other things they have to get, number one, number two, the amount of money in his wallet, says, listen, sis, I can't do it right now, but I promise by Christmas you'll have a bike. That's promise made. The months crawl by and the young girl dreams about the bike, hopes for the bike, prays for the bike. Well, Christmas finally comes as it does every single year. 
Her eyes pop open. She remembers that it's Christmas Day. She hops out of bed, speeds down the stairs, barreling past her mother, her siblings, and the dog, not saying good morning to anyone, looking for the Christmas tree. And behold, where there was once just a beautifully, tastefully direct, uh, decorated Christmas tree, now we see the abundance of Christmas cheer, neatly wrapped presents, and yes, a bright blue bike peeking out from behind the Christmas tree. It's there. The bike of her dreams, of her prayers, her dad had promised, and here it was with a bow and a tag with her name on it. Didn't have nobody, she didn't have to share it with a sibling. It was hers. That's promise kept. It was in her possession. In the days that followed, her dad showed her how to ride the bike, how to respect cars on the road, and instructed her on how far she was allowed to go on that bike. Eager to learn, she picked up the necessary skills quickly, and pretty soon that bike took her everywhere she needed to go. Those days turned into weeks, those weeks into months, and months into years. She used that bike to its fullest for years. The bike brought her to school, to the homes of her friends and her family on countless adventures. You see, her father knew at the very beginning that getting his daughter that bike would open a world to her that she would never, ever otherwise know. He wasn't just getting her a bike. He was giving her access to a world of adventure, journey, and responsibility. That's the promise fulfilled. And in the same way, the gift of the Spirit is way more than just demonstrations of power. It's way more than the bells and the whistles. It's way more than the thrills and the chills. It is more than speaking in tongues. It's more than cloven tongues of fire. It's more than a mighty rushing wind. It is the very presence of God living in the believer. And if the God that created the heavens and the earth and that raised Christ from the dead and seats him on the right hand of the Father lives in us, you better believe that we are completely changed, regenerated, and transformed because of it. The decisions we make, the way we live, the way we think, the way we act, the way we love each other, it's all taken on new meaning In Acts chapter 2, Peter preached that very awesome sermon and 3,000 people were added to the number of spirit-filled Christ followers. These people's lives were completely changed. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to sharing meals. They sold their possessions. They sold what extra they had so that those who had nothing, their needs would be met They met together in public in the temple courts, giving thanks and praise to God, and God added to their number daily those who were being saved. This is the promise of the Spirit fulfilled. This is the promise of the Spirit for all people fulfilled. The Spirit changes hearts and minds and desires so that everyone has access to the things they need. The Spirit is available to everyone and gives everyone access to the kingdom's abundance. The Spirit is what gave those with money and power and assets the desire to sell what they had so that the poor among them would have enough for themselves and their families. And because of this new community, people were coming to the Lord in droves. 
This is the power of God at work. This is the power of the spirit that was promised by both father and son. And this is the power that is promised to each of us friends if we would receive it. This is power to live life like we are already in the fullness of God's kingdom. Power to live holy, loving, abundant, sacrificial lives, free from anything that would enslave. Lives that are marked by the abundance of God's kingdom, and that is not material abundance, but that's the abundance that comes from knowing the Father and being and living in unity with the Father. It's the abundance that comes from keeping in step with the Spirit. It's the abundance that comes from knowing that you are God's and that he is yours. Each of us here today is the evidence and the fruit of God's spirit changing hearts and lives. We are the fruit of the fulfillment of the outpour of God's spirit. This is good news. On this Pentecost Sunday, we celebrate the gift of God, the Holy Spirit, which proceeds from both Father and Son. The Holy Spirit wants access to all of us. The Holy Spirit desires to shine light in those places that we would keep hidden. The Holy Spirit desires to completely regenerate us, to completely make us new, to completely transform us into the we, into the us that we've always supposed to have been. The Spirit of God wants to transform us. Those of us who have been with the Lord for a while My prayer for you that I call y'all seasoned saints. My prayer for you is that you would allow the spirit of God to continue its work in you. That the spirit of God would supernaturally increase the faith that perfects us. For those of us that are newer on our faith walk, the Holy Spirit is a treasure beyond value, beyond measure. And you have access to it, not just a little bit, You have access to the Spirit of God. Allow the Spirit to lead you, to teach you, to inspire you, and to change you. Those of you that are here that find yourself not having yet made a decision to become a part of the family of God, this promise is for you too. The intimate presence of God, the promise is for you. The power is for you. God longs to be with you. God longs to transform you. God longs to recreate you. God longs to refresh you. And for those of us who are weary on the journey, those of us who have been working for Jesus and the prospect of doing more work for the Lord is making our skin crawl. The Spirit of God does not just supercharge us to do more tasks for God. Jesus, in the book of John, he encounters a woman at the well, and he promises that the spirit that he would send would spring up rivers of living water that you can drink deeply from and have eternal life. Would you allow the spirit to be a place of refreshing for you? Each of us here today, would we ask, Spirit, how do you want me to demonstrate your power? Or Spirit, how can your power be at work in my heart and in my life?
as we respond to God's word today. Turn with me to page 10 in your, in your bulletin. Our prayers for the people. We're going to sing a little bit. I'm going to pray a little bit. Really just lifting up our desires that the spirit would fully inhabit us. That the spirit would give us strength to, re, to decrease our resistance to his working in our lives and in our hearts. <clears throat> 